Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. It is a busy few days at the movies with nine, nine films coming out over the weekend and early next week. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. I'm one of the dozens of people who went to see the Marvels this past week, and I enjoyed it. As well, I'll talk about a great new comedy special coming to Netflix in a few days. Plus, the dozens. One more Marvel note as well do we have for you. How did season two of Loki work out? Yes, I was one of the few to head out to see the Marvels this past week in theaters. Captain Marvel, we need you to save the world. There she is. You're forgetting something. I'm invincible. Your powers only make me stronger. That's not good news. We have to stop her. This is the start of a new beginning. Marvels, rated PG-13. And the big story about the Marvels that has nothing to do with the actual movie is the box office, which was really low by MCU standards. It opened with $47 million in its first weekend, less than a third of the $153 million its predecessor, Captain Marvel, launched with in 2019. And the previous low for a Disney-owned Marvel movie was the first Ant-Man, which opened with $57 million way back in 2015. And it's too bad because this is definitely one of the best MCU movie since Endgame, I think. The story is that Captain Marvel, played once again by Brie Larson, has to team up with Monica Rambeau, a strange daughter of Captain Marvel's old friends, played again by Tiona Paris, and Miss Marvel, the teenage crime fighter, who's played again by Iman Vellani. Together, they are the Marvels, and they have to take on a Kree warrior, Darben, played by Zoe Ashton, to save a bunch of planets, including Earth. A bunch of other familiar faces return as well, including Miss Marvel's family and Samuel L. Jackson, of course is Nick Fury. Oh, and Goose the Cat, which we learned in the first Captain Marvel movie isn't actually a cat, but something called a flurkin. The real problem for the Super Trio is that they've gotten their powers entangled, and if they ever use them at the same time, they end up switching places with each other wherever they are in the universe, which can be a huge pain when they're spread out on three different planets, for example. A huge pain for them, but a lot of entertainment for us. The movie also follows kind of the sort of expected pattern that these movies usually follow. It's a superhero movie, and if you find the formula comforting, you're in good hands. If you're bored by it, this is much the same as the others in its structure. But all the disparate elements combined for something I actually found pretty unique this deep in the Marvel run. I found it to be a breath of fresh air, at least as much as an MCU movie can be a breath of fresh air. There's a lot of humor, which is to be expected from Miss Marvel, who has a lot of fun, excited energy, and also from Captain Marvel, who's a little bit more lighthearted than in previous appearances. There's also, I thought, a lot of real heart from all three leads, and it all landed well. They kind of make you care about the characters and their various relationships. The action was also pretty great. The three-way fights where they switch places is a lot of fun uh, and a new conceit to the MCU. I thought the special effects looked great for the most part. I know they've struggled in that department in some movies the last few years. I did think it was weird during one action scene they used a Beastie Boys song since Guardians of the Galaxy 3 did the same thing earlier this year. Different song, mind you. But Captain Marvel is also a 90s hero, so it kind of tracks there. Um, there's an inspired, if on the nose song choice from a Broadway musical that I found really fun. Uh, you'll know when it happens. The other thing that worth noting is the mid credit scene, which I'm guessing a lot of the uh, MCU bros who refuse to see this movie will sort of kick themselves for not seeing because it's a pretty big fan service thing. I would also note there is no scene at the very, very end of the credits. So once you've seen the mid credit scene, you can just go out the theater if you do go see it. Although 
you know, it's an hour and 45 minutes. It's a normal length movie. And sitting through the credits might not be a strain on your bladder like a lot of other movies are these days. I thought the biggest drawback was the villain. Just sort of a stock villain. Nothing special. Uh, she's very angry and we learn why. And it's kind of justified. You sort of get it. But uh, her actions are not. It's it's The MCU's had a lot of memorable villains. And Darb Ben will uh, soon be forgotten, I'm afraid. Uh, nevertheless, I thought it was a fun movie. It moves very quickly because I clearly cut a bunch of stuff out and it actually offers a few new things to look at which uh, is something I wasn't expecting and it does retain the standard formula for an MCU movie but I thought it was, you know, beat expectations pretty much all around. Uh, three and a half couch cushions out of five for the Marvels, Brett. All right. I, I am genuinely curious now because I gotta admit I not that I'm not one of the aforementioned MCU bros. I just sort of was like, ah, I'll just tired of it. Wait till Disney Plus, but won't take long if it's not making much money. That's true. But I did decide to rewatch a movie which I realized I only saw the one time in theater, and that is the precursor, Captain Marvel. Space invasion, shape shifting aliens, big car chase, a rough day, Agent Fury. You know, typical nine to five. Witness the rise of a hero. What a fight. Grunge is a good look for you. Captain Marvel with a PG-13. So I liked it way better the second time around. Maybe my expectations were too high the first time because that in that first watch, I found it a little slow and clunky. And I guess I still found it a little slow and clunky, but it was more enjoyable this time, I guess, now that I knew what to expect. And there were pretty high expectations for that first one because it was sandwiched in between Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, and Captain Marvel was being positioned as sort of the next big hero to take the MCU into new phases, and she was going to be the most powerful character in the MCU. So yeah, my expectations were maybe too high. I don't know. I also don't know much about the comic book character and I don't know how popular Captain Marvel is in the comics. I will say that I did not hate Brie Larson in the role. I didn't love her in it. I thought she was all right. I think the problem with her later appearances in the MCU is she's not really in them. Like when she, when she's there, she has little to no dialogue. So she's not given a lot of interesting things to say. She has, she does some pretty interesting things. Like, you know, she has that moment in Endgame when she almost overpowers Thanos single-handedly, even while he's wearing the gauntlet. And of course, when she flew through the ship and made it go smashy smash, that was neat. Uh, But so it was better to see her through a full movie. I just wish she'd had more personality overall, so I don't know if that's a writing thing, I don't know if that's directing, or if that's just how she chose to perform it. But Or you could argue that the Kree crushed the personality out of her character. I don't know. But uh, either way, I, I also, there were other actors I was uh, vying for, like the, the actor who played Lagertha in the TV show Vikings, Catherine um, Winnick. I know she was vying for the role. At least she was putting stuff up on social media. She had no realistic shot because she wasn't nearly well known enough, but it would have been, I think she would have been much better. Um, Cool visuals in the movie. All the flying stuff was neat. The de-aged Samuel L. Jackson and Agent uh, Phil Coulson. They were near full, uh, near flawless. I thought all the stuff in space was fun. I would say it was probably 20 minutes too long. And it's only two hours, but it somehow felt longer. Uh, so I don't think it was the movie 
that people hated when you talk about all the hate that comes towards Brie Larson and uh, the Marvels itself. I think the hate started to come after she started talking to the press and it because she was she came off sometimes as smug and arrogant and not just the way she was presenting her character in the movie, but the way that the movie was being presented, that she was like the first female strong character, and that's not true. So I don't know. It was just irritating. And there were interviews where you could see the castmates, like Jeremy Renner and Chris Hemsworth were flanking her in this interview, and they both looked so uncomfortable. So I think that's where that comes from. Because if you watch that movie and go, why did... Why do people hate her so much? There's, it's not because of her performance in the movie. I don't think, anyway. Whatever. The, it's a vocal minority, and I don't think that's why the Marvels tanked. I think people are just getting tired of the MCU conveyor belt. It's just something that we keep talking about. And, uh, <laughs> and speaking of the Marvel conveyor belt, something wrapped up this week. Loki, season two. So we got to talk about that a little bit later on because that was... I think it was pretty cool. Haven't even talked to Jeff about it yet, so we'll find out what he thinks a bit later on as well. Up next, so we got to rip through a whole bunch of new movies coming your way. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Lots of new movies coming in the next few days. We'll start with one that revealed its first teaser trailer one year ago, and I thought, really? There's another one? It's a prequel. The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I have summoned you all here for the 10th annual Hunger Games. There has been a change this year. As a mentor, Mr. Snow, your role is to turn these children into spectacles. Not survivors. You really want to take care of me in that arena? Start by thinking I can actually win. We're live! I'm the first ever host of the Hunger Games. I am going to get you out of here. You seem like a good man, Coralina Snow. I have seen what war does to people. Run. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. What happens in there? Enjoy the show. Fueled with the terror of becoming prey. See how quickly we become predator? Welcome home, Mr. Snow. The Hunger Games, ready PG-13, November 17th. So in The Hunger Games, Donald Sutherland played Coriolanus Snow, who we knew as the ruler of Pan Am, post-apocalyptic place split into districts where each year each district has to put up a tribute, a young person who goes to, actually two tributes, male and female, to, to go to fight in The Hunger Games, where the last person still alive wins. Snow was not a good man, and Sutherland was excellent in the role. In this new one, we meet a young snowman, played by Tom Blythe. He's assigned to mentor Lucy Gray Baird, played by Rachel Zegler, who's a tribute from District 12. And when Lucy Gray manages to captivate the audience of Pan Am, Snow, and now I'm jumping into the official tagline, with everything he has worked for hanging in the balance, Snow unites with Lucy Gray to turn the odds in their favor. Ever in their favor, perhaps? Battling his instincts for both good and evil, Snow sets out on a race against time to survive and reveal if he will ultimately become a songbird or a snake. That's 60% on Rod Tomatoes. It looks okay. Uh, more Hunger Games? Nope. No, thank you. The, the first four 
got increasingly worse as they went along to the point where like going to the fourth one was just a chore. It's like, oh, we've been through so much already. Might as well see how it ends. Didn't like it at all. So um, I do like, I love Rachel Ziegler. She was in that uh, Steven Spielberg West Side Story a couple years ago. She's great. And I like, I assume Jason Schwartzman is the young version of Stanley Tucci, which is about the most perfect casting I've ever seen in my entire life. Whenever that pops up when I see this trailer in theaters, I was like, oh, that's right on. Yeah, I thought I, I just watching the clip uh, before we pressed record here. I thought, is that Stanley Tucci? Uh, yeah. Like, how how old is it? <laughs> how does he fight aging? But I don't know. Um, but Peter Dinklage is also in it. You heard his voice at the beginning of the clip. Viola Davis. You heard her voice at the end. So a pretty good cast yeah. in this. Um, check it out at home down the road. Yeah. Well, I'm out of curiosity. Why not? Also new this weekend. Trolls band together. Bridge. It's time we get the band back together. Rosa. You're so. Trolls Band Together is the most fun you'll have at the movies this year. Wet Willie! Stop it! I am a grown-up. Oh, sorry. A Wet William. It's the best Trolls movie yet. Hold on to cupcakes! Poppy, I'm your sister. Woo! What just happened? Oh, that. (laughs) My sister just braided your hair. It's a hard fit to pull off. Trolls Band Together. Witty PG in theaters November 17th. I'm afraid that's our time for today. This is the third movie featuring the cute little singing and dancing trolls, voiced by Anna Kendrick and Justin Timberlake as Poppy and Branch. She learns he has a secret past. He was once part of her favorite boy band, Brozone. Although he was only in the group when he was a baby, and then the group disbanded, and he hasn't seen his brother since. Until now. And there's a new NSYNC song in this movie, so that's pretty cool. It's at 63%. Also new in theaters, fresh off returning to movies after a few years off in David Fincher's The Killer, Michael Fassbender is back again. He's back in the new Taika Waititi movie. And no, it's not another Thor movie, but it kind of sounds like it could be at first. In two days' time, we face our first enemy for the greatest war of them all. For World Cup qualification. It's called Next Goal Wins. Thomas, did nobody tell you? You're fired. It's natural that you go through the stages of grief. This is not happening. Denial. If you change your mind. We only got one option. American Samoa. Are you joking? I deserve some respect. Anger. You are smoking through these. Get the ball in the net. What the? I'll do it. Next goal wins. Rated PG-13. So as you heard, it's about the American Samoa soccer team, infamous for losing a match 31 to nil in 2001. Fassbender is brought in to coach them, and the movie is said to be a heartfelt underdog comedy, although it is at 44%. If heartfelt comedies are not your thing, perhaps you want a slasher. Remember the 2007 movie Grindhouse? It had that double feature, Planet Terror and Death Proof, directed by Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino, respectively. It also had those extra trailers, like Hobo with a Shotgun, and Machete, and Don't, and then uh, Werewolf Women of the SS, and director Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. White meat. Dark meat. All will be carved. Well, 16 years later, we finally have the real deal from director Eli Roth, starring People's Sexiest Man Alive, Patrick Dempsey. It's Thanksgiving. Did you notice anything about it? He was dressed as a pilgrim. 
And he had a John Carver mask on. Someone's out for revenge, and they're turning it into a sick holiday game. Our names are at the table. These seats are for us. Thanksgiving, rated R, exclusively in movie theater. Yeah, so there you go. It's at 85% on RottenTomatoes.com. So finally made a movie. The trailer, I, I still think the trailer from Grindhouse looks better. Do you remember? You saw that Grindhouse movies, yep. didn't you? Yeah. This is And now this is the third full movie to come from those joke trailers because uh, Machete was a couple of movies and yep. Hobo with the Shotgun was a movie. Yeah, that, now, that the movie was not good. Starring Rutger Hauer. Yeah. Like the hobo with a shotgun was just made. I, that I, was I don't a Canadian know, one. Yeah, I don't know if it was even aired in the United States uh, version of the movie, but no, that was they, my favorite part of the whole Grindhouse experience. Each uh, country got to do. They picked one guy to do a local trailer for each country that they showed it in. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's why those the Canadian. I think it was Mike Clattenburg, the Trailer Park Boys guy. All right, so those are the four movies out this weekend. There are five additional movies opening ahead of American Thanksgiving starting on Tuesday. We'll get to those next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Told you that it's a busy, busy few days at the movies. We had four movies opening this weekend. The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, Trolls Band Together, Next Goal Wins, and Thanksgiving. And then next week, we've got five movies opening ahead of American Thanksgiving. So on Tuesday, we have Wish, which is that uh, Disney, it's the latest Disney cartoon, and uh, that's got Chris Pine and Alan Tudyk among the, the voice cast. So that looks like a lot of fun. There's also Napoleon from director Ridley Scott starring Joaquin Phoenix, and that one's at 63% so far, so that's kind of interesting that it's, I would have expected that to be a bit higher. Uh, we've also got Leave the World Behind. That'll be like more of a limited engagement. This is one that's coming to Netflix in December and uh, looks pretty cool. Got a great cast. There's uh, Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, Kevin Bacon, Mahershala Ali, to name a few. And it just looks bizarre. So it's going to be, it's just like the killer. They're going to run it in theaters for a week yeah. or two and then debut it on Netflix on December 8th. There's another one here that I honestly had not heard of until about... 10 seconds before we pressed record. It's called Saltburn. Academy Award-winning filmmaker Emerald Fennell brings us a wicked tale of privilege and desire, struggling to find his place at Oxford University. Student Oliver Quick, who's played by Barry Cogan, finds himself drawn into the world of the charming and aristocratic Felix Catton, who invites him to Saltburn, his eccentric family's sprawling estate for a summer never to be forgotten. So... I don't know. That looks kind of neat, I guess. And then Dream Scenario. That one actually might be opening in Canada on November 24th, from what I can tell. But it's a new Nicolas Cage movie. And that's really all you need to know. Nicolas Cage is in it. I'm interested. So we'll tell you more about those movies next week, I'm sure. But there's also something new on television this weekend that certainly has my attention. It's new on Apple TV+. Plus. It's the debut of a 10-episode series that is getting great reviews so far. Everything you don't want to believe exists. Holy... If you want to save millions of lives... We can use some help. Help. 
Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. That was the voice, the roar of Godzilla that you heard at the end. And the other voice you heard in that trailer was that of Kurt Russell. So this one is, you know, it, it follows two siblings. After the world-shattering revelation that monsters are real, these two siblings follow in their father's footsteps to uncover their family's connection to the secretive organization known as Monarch. Because uh, you know, these are this is the organization that's been keeping tabs on all these monsters for years, trying to protect humanity, but also protect the monsters largely. But things went didn't go all that well necessarily, and we ended up with Godzilla versus Kong. And I think the movies were fun. Yeah, I've liked all four of those. There's four, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, the first Godzilla I'd need to watch again. I haven't watched that probably since it was in theaters or whatever, but I really like the King Kong one I think might be my favorite. Yeah. And then the last one where it was Kong versus Godzilla, that was that was quite the spectacle. That was, I know the spectacle stuff has ramped up to the point where everything is just ridiculous, but that one's maybe like the very final spot where it's like, ooh, this is actually fun, even though they are wrecking everything. Yeah, they just destroy, was it, what city were they in? Hong Kong? Sure, I, I don't remember. I can't remember, yeah, but it was a big, very bright, colorful city, and it looked beautiful at night as they smashed <laughs> it to, to bits. So, yeah, it was just a, it was a big, dumb, fun movie, but the television show is getting great reviews, 91% so far on Rotten Tomatoes, so I'll definitely be checking that out on Apple TV+. Plus. Now, what did you, what do you want to tee up here on um, Netflix? I've watched a couple of things on Netflix, and the first is a new comedy special that's coming to Netflix on Wednesday. It's Mike Birbiglia's The Old Man and the Pool. My physician asked me, do you have a history of heart disease in your family? I go, well, my dad had a heart attack when he was 56, and actually his dad had a heart attack when he was 56. So I've always thought I should set aside that whole year. <laughs> Get an Airbnb by the hospital and keep a flexible schedule. I think that might be a big year for me. Wake up in the midnight. She said, well, based on your family history, I would recommend you do cardio five days a week. And I said, I don't think anybody does cardio five days a week. She said a lot of people do cardio five days a week. I said, I don't even think professional athletes do cardio five days a week. She said professional athletes definitely do cardio five days a week. We talk about this for about 45 minutes. We agree to disagree. She said, what about swimming? Mike Birbiglia is a great stand-up comic, and he does more of a storytelling kind of show as opposed to just set-up punchline, set-up punchline, set-up punchline kind of deal. The show is one long, overarching story with a lot of shorter stories peppered throughout, each of which has a lot of jokes peppered throughout. The result is an 80-minute show that's engrossing and hilarious, and probably mostly true. I know stand-up comics, you know, make up whatever suits them for the joke, but the Birbiglia shows are so personal, you really feel drawn into his life, and while it is a comedy show, there are also some tragedies tragic turns that his stories take and you get really invested it's all quite mesmerizing and it's why he can you know be on broadway and call it a one-man show and not a, just a stand-up comedy special he's taking it up a level in many ways most of his shows and maybe especially this one have to do with his health as we heard in the clip there he's had some very unique health problems shall we say over the years i implore you to seek out his older bit about his sleepwalking issue it's insane and he doesn't shy away from some of the crazier details either the crux 
of the show is that he needs to exercise and he's told swimming might be for him. That unlocks some bizarre childhood memories of his local YMCA pool and some recent bizarre memories of his local YMCA pool. His last special was called The New One, and that's among the best comedy specials I've seen in the last decade. This one maybe isn't quite as good as that one, but it is still excellent and well worth your time. I'll give four couch cushions out of five for Mike Berbiglia, The Old Man in the Pool, which comes out on Netflix on Wednesday, November 22nd. Check it out. I also watched another thing on Netflix. It's a new sort of documentary about comedian, actor, writer, director Albert Brooks. It's called Albert Brooks Defending My Life. Do you have any thoughts about what happens after you die? I don't mind being taken out of the game. I just don't want to see any more of the game. Yeah, yeah. So that to me would be agony yes. to be taken away, but you get a little <laughs> peek and, well, Rob's still doing well. <laughs> 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 and by the way, on nights you sleep and you don't dream, how do you know? What if you don't wake up? How would you know? Yeah. I mean, God, the first time I had a colonoscopy, it was I wanted one every day. It's like the greatest <laughs> sleep in the world. And if you woke me up a thousand years later, I wouldn't have any idea. Right. So right. I imagine that's what it is. A blue eye, like having a colonoscopy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A big one. Long story short, this is 90 Minutes of Albert Brooks talking about his career with his best friend since high school and documentary director Rob Reiner. They go through his stand-up, his movies, his talk show appearances, everything he's done. And it comes on the heels of that Sylvester Stallone doc, which came on the heels of that Arnold Schwarzenegger doc. And I'm starting to see a pattern here. It seems any old Hollywood guy who still has a little clout is doing a pat myself on the back documentary where they get to relive their heyday. The cynic in me sees it as all, you know, very self-congratulatory, but the fan of me is kind of more than happy to watch these things. And I love Albert Brooks. I have one of his comedy albums. I have the Criterion Blu-ray of his movie Lost in America, which is excellent. Um, and I just love seeing him pop up in things, whether it's as a bad guy in the movie Drive or as himself on Curb Your Enthusiasm last time that was on. I think the highlight of this doc is his talk show appearance bits where he would do these really crazy things that Johnny Carson just went nuts over. Like, he's laughing harder than you've ever seen anyone laugh in some of the clips. Um, if you like Albert Brooks, you'll enjoy this presentation. It's called Albert Brooks Defending My Life, and it's out now on Netflix. A lot of fun. All right. And in a moment, we got to dive into the latest Disney Plus Marvel series. Not the one that they just announced. They just dropped the new trailer for What If Season 2, and I think that starts December 22nd, and they're going to release a new episode over the course of nine days. Hmm. Um, but we want to talk about Loki Season 2. Was it worth it? Are you still confused? <laughs> we'll get into that next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Got to talk about the season two and likely series finale for Disney Plus's Marvel show, Loki. What could we have done differently? How much time do we have? Why? What's Loki got to do? What did you say? What's the plan? Answer the question. Have you heard about how if you fall into a black hole, you turn into spaghetti? No. Good. The less you know about that, the better. Don't miss the Loki Season 2 finale, streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. So, Jeff, what'd you think? I enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, you know, really inventive as these shows go, and it was crazy and fun. It was actually fun, and... While I don't really know what the point of it was or how it connects to anything else, it was it 
was interesting enough all the way through the kept me uh, involved. We heard the voice of Kihi Kwan in there, and I think he was sort of the secret sauce of this season because that guy was just about doing the exposition, but he's also uh, entertaining enough actor that you know, I found it entertaining to listen to all the exposition of which there was much. But it was so it seemed like it was more focused and that there was a point to it this time too as uh, Loki tries to stop all of time from exploding or stopping or whatever it was. Uh, they all seemed like they were on a pretty, you know, solid mission that they knew it was up. So it was fine enough by me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was terrific. I, th- I re- enjoyed this entire season. I enjoyed the first season, but I found it, I don't know, I just, I found it somewhat meandering. I found this season was tighter overall, and the visuals were just astonishing in this. Yeah. Marvel's taken some heat in recent years, for, you know, I've trashed it for its efforts in She-Hulk, which were pathetic. And that, but that's not a. But that's not blaming the artists. That's blaming Marvel for putting too much pressure on the artists and just treating them like garbage. But they clearly had enough time to work on this properly because it just looked sensational. And Tom Hiddleston's performance is, I think, really moving. And it's been interesting to see how he made this character come to life initially and how he's evolved over time because we first met him in Thor when he was the god of mischief and he wasn't a really good guy. And then we saw him in Avengers when he tried to invade and take over the world with the Chitauri. And uh, when he arrived, he announced that he was burdened with glorious purpose. And that's kind of... And now that's how the series ends, that he truly is... He has burdened himself with glorious purpose. I don't really want to get into it, but it's pretty cool. And there's also something really nice as well. This is, it's a dialogue spoiler. There's a scene where he says to them, for you, for all of us. And that mirrors something he said in the first Thor. When Odin, when he fell away from Odin, out out into the nothingness of space or whatever (laughs) from, from Asgard, he was talking to Odin and Odin said, no, Loki. And then he fell. He just gave up. So it was kind of cool to see that. So I really dug Loki. Uh, and uh, he he's since done interviews. He did, uh, there's a, some interviews on with some podcasters on YouTube where he says he's not closed to returning as Loki. And given the role he's taken on, there's no way we can't. Like, we have to see him again at some point. He's got to oh, tie yeah. in. Like, this has to mean something. Yeah. What it means, I don't know. We get to these Secret Wars Avengers movies or whatever they are, the Kang Dynasty, that sort of thing. He's got to be involved in that, at least show up for a couple of scenes, because I assume he's got an important story that he'll need to relate to other characters about what's going on. And I think they, they did a pretty clever piece of business with this show as well, because if they do decide to... Bail from Jonathan Majors, like get rid of him because yeah. of his, you know, the accusations and the charges that are against him and how, depending on how that goes out, they they presented this show in a way where they could just get rid of him and yeah. replace him. They've been, because they've been talking about maybe we'll get rid of Kang and bring in Dr. Doom. Right. And the way the show ends, it's vague and ambiguous that they could just say, well, Kang, it was Kang. Or that they could say, oh, it was Dr. Doom. See? See this right here? <laughs> this this purple tint? If anyone can uh, unpaint themselves out of a corner, it's a comic book movie. I, uh, no problem. I'm not worried about that at all. <laughs> yeah. So, I, But I'm really happy with the, with the work that they put in with this show. Confusing at times? Confusing? Oh, yeah. 
but real, like genuinely fun, genuinely compelling. Owen Wilson was an amazing. When I heard that Owen Wilson was in this, I thought, okay. I, sort I of, loved I, him as Mobius. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's great in this. I, yeah, when he, they first announced it, I was like, oh, I s- sort of thought Owen Wilson would be you know too big a star to be in a Marvel thing at this point. But no, I guess not. Everyone is now, right? So. And speaking of Marvel, this week for randomness, I decided to rewatch. We may not be perfect, Tony, but the safest hands are still our own. We need to be put in check. I just want to consider all our options. Just people that shoot at you usually wind up shooting at me, too. You chose the wrong side. Keep telling yourself that. We're still friends, right? Depends on how hard you hit me. I guess I was just after watching Loki and all this multiverse stuff and the time variant authority. And I just was craving a simpler Marvel time. So I went back and decided to rewatch Captain America Civil War, which it will always be one of my favorite films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And my gosh, this movie somehow manages to get better every time I watch it. It's like an unofficial Avengers movie because it's got basically everybody who was uh, on the playing field in that movie in the big airport fight for a Spider-Man appearance. And the and uh, Anthony Mackie as Falcon yeah. has some of the best comedy moments in this film with very little dialogue. Can you move? Can you move your seat up? No. All right, when they're in the bug, or when, <laughs> so that's what he says to Winter Soldier. He's in the front seat. Winter Soldier's in the yeah. back seat. Or when he's in the back seat and T'Challa's in the front seat, the Black Panther. And Falcon says, so you like cats? <laughs> <laughs> and then there was that moment with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier where they've just been laid out by Spider-Man, but then the Falcon sends off one of his little bird drones right. to take out Spider-Man, and Winter Soldier says, you couldn't have done that earlier? Yeah. And Falcon says, I hate you. And it's just these, that's when Marvel did comedy right. It's now gotten a little too big at times, but this movie, everything about it is just perfect. And uh, Chris Evans as Captain America. I still think they're going to find a way to bring back Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. as Captain America and, and uh, Iron Man. Because they need it. They need the big three to save the day. Oh, by the way, don't forget, Squid Game Challenge starts on November 22nd. I'll tell you more about that next week. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.